Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is July 24th, 2020, which means I'm on day 223 of 365 Promised Episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Now, we all know a lot of companies out there lately have been changing the names of their brands or, you know, whatever logos they have that may be offensive to people, especially during this BLM movement and all that. But there's one brand in Australia that just flat out has an absolutely racist name for their cheese, and they finally decided to switch it up. The brand's name? Coon. C-O-O-N. Now, we all know that coon is a derogatory term towards African-American folks. It's not okay because raccoons have dark eyes with a black circle around them and somehow, someway, throughout history, somebody decided that would be a derogatory term they could use toward African-American folks. Or towards black people in general. Probably, obviously this is Australia, so so that wouldn't be any African Americans. It would be African Australians, or I guess you would just generalize that it and say poor black folks had to deal with that derogatory term. And and I agree, it's it's not okay. It's it's unacceptable, and it it just doesn't make sense to me that you would choose that name for your cheese company, anyways. What does a raccoon? Or anything called coon. I mean, was it a cocoon that made you think of this name? Is it your family's last name? I don't know what it is. But the fact of the matter is, I fully agree with this decision to change up the name. Because with how many people right now are offended by the slightest little thing that should mean nothing to anybody, like the name of a cheese brand. But how many people out there are offended by everything, this will actually not help your sales 100%. You know, if you want to have the maximum amount of people that will buy your cheese, you got to have a name that somehow doesn't offend anybody. And and that might seem impossible because out there right now in the world, people are offended by everything. They're going to find a reason to be offended by the name of your cheese company. But for the most part, the name Coon just doesn't sound great, and a lot of people will not enjoy that as the name of your company. So it's a good idea. As far as the Washington Redskins goes, it was time for them to change their name to, as far as Aunt Jemima Syrup, I'm not positive that that's really a racist thing, because it did seem as though she, specifically the woman who that character is based off of, actually did make a living being the national spokesperson for that brand, and it did help her build a career. But if it offends some people and they don't want it to be there anymore, I guess the smartest choice to maximize sales would be to change it up. Now, I realized something when I got out of the shower last night. I have a small penis. No, that's not what I realized. I already knew that. But what I realized was I am a 
complete dryer when it comes out of the when it comes to coming out of a shower or a bath scenario i have to dry all of my body with the towel immediately and then i i just don't do what some people do which is kind of float around the house wearing the towel letting yourself dry off naturally with the wind and other things happening around you and the towel just kind of sponging it up as you hang out in a towel i can't do it i've never been that way i Literally dry out every part of me, ears, crevices, hair, all that, instantly with the towel. I have to do it all the way down to my toes, and then I get into clothing, and I go about my business, because I just, I'm not a towel lounger. I know some people are, you know, and I just, I realized I'm not. And I've seen a lot of people, they just put on a robe, and I don't know if it's laziness, They don't want to have to bend around and move around after they just showered. You know, you just washed your whole body. You already moved up and down your whole body with soap. And you did it with water. Now you got to do it with a towel. I understand, especially at night. You know, maybe you're tired. You want to just lounge around and and naturally dry out and then go to to sleep. But I'm the type I can't actually physically sleep unless I've showered. If I'm in an area where I don't have that option, it takes me forever and a day to even consider falling asleep with the notion that I'm covered in the day's filth and I'm bringing that into the bed where I'm sleeping. I can't do it. It's it's just, it's my own problem, I'm sure. It's my own OCD. I know a lot of people don't mind it. You know, I've even seen some people, they wake up, they shower, that's fine, and then they go to work and they go to a bar, and they go hang out with friends and all these things, and they come home, alcohol on them, maybe they even work in a restaurant, so some food particles and other things, and they've been touching plates that people touched and just putting stuff all over themselves, and then they go to bed. And I've even known a busser who cleaned tables and, you know, some of the sloshing of the liquid in the bus tub would spill onto their shirt and it would obviously be on their chest and all over them and then they would just go home and go to bed and to me that's that's impossible I would not be able to do that just feeling my body not being clean while laying there in my own bed in my sheets where you know for the most part people don't clean their bed sheets often enough I do it once a week minimum Once every two weeks is the max I'll go and I clean my sheets. I just can't think about sleeping without having clean bed sheets and all the things that happen there. I mean, I'm not much of a in-the-bed sex type person. It's more of the the in-the-moment, wherever I am at the time, whether it's a bathroom, whether it's a living room, kitchen, you know, it really doesn't matter to me as long as I'm enjoying it when I want it. But a lot of people stick to the sex in bed only type scenario and the fact that they don't clean their sheets and they don't take a shower before they go to bed just adds to the filthy cesspool of germs and filth that is their bed now i started off this subject with showering and drying your body off when you get out of the shower that's an important thing to me i've seen a lot of people they don't do it and they'll sit on a couch with a towel wrapped around him, and it's like, hey, uh, also the wetness from your towel and body is now transferring onto your couch. Plus, you're not really staying clean because 
we all know if there's you know wetness and humidity involved and a dirty couch, it's going to then transfer the filth from the couch back onto your clean body. So I, I just don't understand it. I feel like these concepts are obvious and general, but a lot of people it eludes them. They just don't. They don't do it. And in the end, it's your choice. Do whatever you want. It doesn't mean you're disgusting and you're not as clean as me. Whatever. You know, maybe I'm not even clean at all. Perhaps going to bed after a shower and then waking up and not showering in the morning would mean that I'm a filthy, disgusting human being. But I don't believe it does because as long as you keep your bed clean and you go to sleep clean, you'll wake up pretty clean. And then you go about your day and at the end of the day, you wash off the filth from the day. It was opening day in the MLB yesterday, folks, and the Dodgers did not disappoint. Now, I will say, even even I watched a couple minutes of this of this game. Now, it wasn't a lot, and it was only because I was forced to watch live TV for a quick minute while I was downloading something else. That doesn't matter. But I did take a peek into the game where the Dodgers put up eight runs to win their opening day for this shortened season. Also, the Yankees won yesterday. The Yankees beat the Nationals 4-1. to Dodgers beat the Giants 8-1. to And people somewhere in the world actually got excited about baseball again. Now, I, I never thought I'd see the day, but it does take a pandemic and a time period where sports are not available and a long stretch and drought, if you will, of, of major league sports whatsoever of nationally recognized professional sports because you know the NBA was out NHL was out the MLB was out the MLS was out so there was a lot of people waiting to see some type of professional sports and with the MLS being you know only popular with certain crowds I I'm personally I'm not into it yet I've tried to be time and time again but I'm just not I was excited to know that yesterday was opening day for baseball, and I was also excited to know that there was a an actual game that garnished nine total runs, which is a miracle in baseball. A lot of times you see a game that's zero to one, and that's all you see is one run. You know, and it was a solo home run in the third inning. The rest of the game, absolutely no offense happened whatsoever, and that to me is just so boring. But an 8-1 to baseball game, heck, that's like 130 to 100 in an NBA game. A lot of scoring happened, a lot of offense, and it was exciting to watch. And it, you know, got people reinterested in watching baseball, and it took a pandemic to do it. And I got to say, I am super excited to see what this season has in store, especially for the San Diego Padres, who have a real opportunity here to make the playoffs for once in their long, never-ending, tumultuous career. And I have not witnessed, since I've lived here, a single moment of greatness in the Padres organization. So it is time for them to crank it into high gear and get it done, just like the Dodgers did yesterday. I love these little consulate battles we always have with with other nations. You know, like here in America, 
we in Houston, Texas, had to close a Chinese consulate in order to protect the security of specific information from the Chinese for the American people, is what they say. And then, in response, in China, they closed one of the U.S. consulates as as a little... You know, you get me, I'll get you type scenario. Just kind of reminds me of like a little, I don't know, elementary school battle of some kind. I mean, what what really, if you close mine, I'll close yours. Is this really what we're doing in the world? This is how we react to places. And it just seems to me like no matter how old you grow, and no matter what age you become and how much knowledge and, you know, just really how much wisdom we're expected to have at certain ages in life, we still always revert back to what you do to me, I'll do back to you, an eye for an eye type scenario. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's only fair for the Chinese to close an American consulate if we're going to close one of theirs over here. But I just don't get it. These petty squabbles do nothing. They're not productive. Now, I understand that if you're trying to protect some specific security information regarding our our own country, and especially if it's from a powerhouse like China, because let's face facts, there's not that many nations in the world that are truly a possible security threat to the United States. There's not. And I'm not even certain that China has ever been, because I I don't believe, for the most part, that the people who live in China specifically want anything negative to happen to anyone else, much less the United States. But if there was a security, you know, if there was a check for somebody to find out if, There would be a problem with our security and another country that is capable of stressing us in that way. It could be China because they have over a billion people. I mean, there's there's just more people and that makes it a scarier scenario. You know, if you're looking at Kazakhstan or Moldova or some place where there's just not a major, you know, Navy army and military threat as it is, then it's not very worrisome. But when you're having a little squabble with China, you know, you're treading on thin ice right there. Because this is a nation that does have power, that does have, you know, economic standing. And in some ways, we are dependent on them for certain things. Steel, basically every knife I've ever owned has been made in China. If it's a steel blade, It was made over there. Heck, if you can't get any knives, then you're already in trouble. But a lot of things are made out of steel. And a lot of things are made out of plastics, which are also a lot of the times made in China for cheap. And we just need to realize that these petty consulate squabbles are not going to do us or them any good. We just need to squash that ridiculous waste of time beef and make them our greatest ally. That would be a key victory in the future of the United States and China, in my opinion, the two strongest powerhouses in the world at this time. 
Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been waiting for, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankston Barbecue, and that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, folks, I'm going to tell you a story about when my ignorance got me into some hot water, I would say, in grade school. Yeah, I remember this from many, many years ago. I could never forget. So I had a best friend in grade school by the name of Daniel Mewson. Great guy, fantastic individual, insanely good and loyal friend. Like this guy had my back for everything. I was, we were as thick as thieves. Like anything he did, I did and vice versa. It was just a match made in friendship heaven. I love the guy. And to this day, I got nothing but love and respect for him. He's a great person. He's got himself a family going. Everything's going well for him in life, it seems. But when we were kids in, I'd say, third or fourth grade, we had very little knowledge of world history. You just don't know a lot when you're that age. You don't get taught a lot of that in school yet because it wouldn't matter to you. You wouldn't retain any of the information it would just go in one ear and out the other. At that point in time, you're learning basic math, multiplication and division. You're learning colors and the color wheel and art. You're learning music, although I hear they have taken that out of grade school for the most part, but that's a shame. You know, you're just learning things that you learn in third grade that are basic activities. How to get along with other kids, you know, how to do a school project and crafts and arts and things like that. It's just, you don't know a lot about world history. So, me and this guy, we were such good friends, we decided we needed a mark or a, you know, almost a logo of friendship. We needed some sort of logo that said that either Peter was here or Daniel was here. We had to have it. So, we we messed around with a couple ideas You know, we were doing some star stuff, some circles, some other things. But what we decided upon, finally, ended up being something that we could not even have imagined would be as bad as it was. Now, I don't know where the inspiration came from. Perhaps it came from a game I used to play on my computer when I was a kid called Wolfenstein. Now, Wolfenstein is basically a game where... You fight off Nazis, and it's just really terrible graphics, but it did exist when I was that young, and there weren't that many game options for a computer that had the computing power that my home computer did. So perhaps that's where the inspiration for this logo of friendship came about, but for some ridiculous and ignorant reason, we chose a swastika. Yeah, we didn't know what it meant. We had no idea. I 100% promise you that. I mean, at that point in time, I didn't know there was such a thing as a Holocaust. I didn't know about World War II. I had no idea that a person named Adolf Hitler had ever existed. They don't teach you those things in elementary school. You learn them much later in life when you're able to retain the information because it's important for you to understand that history. But we had no idea. So what we started doing with our newfound friendship logo 
was plastering it everywhere we went. We wanted to prove to the world that we were best friends, and this was our mark, and we put it on schoolwork, on tests that we turned in next to our names. We plastered it everywhere. On our binders, we had it. I mean, we were so ignorant in that way we might as well have got a tattoo of this. Luckily, you can't get tattoos at that age, or I am certain our stupid asses would have done this. So after a while, our teachers started recognizing that we were putting swastikas on everything and that it's not acceptable. And so one day we get called to the office together and we think it's just one of the normal things we would have done to get in trouble, which was... On a daily basis, I can't even think of how many things. But they set us down and they begin to discuss with us the genocide of millions of Jewish people at the hands of the German Nazis, at the of the Nazi party. And, and we're not understanding what they're saying. We really don't know why they're telling us this. But at the end of this little, basically, spiel they gave us, they explained to us that our friendship logo, if you want to call it that, was actually a Nazi symbol and called a swastika. Now, I was mind blown. Like, I seriously, I thought that I made it up or something. I don't even know where it came from in my mind. Again, now I do believe it possibly came from the markings I saw on the walls in the video game Wolfenstein. Because you would walk through these hallways and there would be a swastika on the wall and then you would go in and kill Nazis. Now, I didn't know what any of that meant. I had no idea. I promise you this. No reason for me to make up a lie right now. But I, I had no idea what it meant. And I felt embarrassed and sad and just stupid all at once. It was not a good feeling to have. And so did he. And they started pulling out paper after paper that we had put swastikas on. And in some cases, we had plastered it all along the edges of our entire worksheets and class and things like that. And they began to explain to us how bad that was. And I, I didn't even think there was something that could be as simple as a symbol, as simple as a symbol, that could really affect anybody. You know, like even if you put a cross on something... I just assumed nobody would be offended. It wouldn't mean anything. But in some cases, people don't like religion and putting a cross on something for one reason or another offends people who don't want people to be able to openly practice their religion, which I think is wrong. But for, for swastika, it, there, it's all kinds of wrong. You shouldn't have that mark on anything. It's unacceptable what happened in World War II. It's just the most tragic event in the history of mankind and what we did was ignorant and stupid. Now I learned my lesson then and I absolutely, I don't even think to this day I've even made that marking on something that another person could see, you know, other than like just being a stupid idiot and joking about something to one of my friends who's like slightly racist or whatever. But even then, it's not acceptable. You should not and will not put a swastika on anything. It's not okay. 
That was my lesson to be learned that day, and boy, did I learn it. And you know what? I don't even think we actually got in trouble for this. They just, they were genuinely concerned that we were like some sort of racist Nazi party in grade school, which probably scares the crap out of the teachers to see that. But, you know, they should have known we were just stupid, ignorant kids that didn't know any better. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett podcast today, folks. Shout out to you, Daniel Mewson. Like I said, a great guy. Had no idea what we were writing was wrong. Good to see that you're doing good in life, my friend. I appreciate each and every one of you listening to the Peter Gabbett podcast today, folks. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Folks, there's a very popular band here from San Diego known as Slightly Stupid. And I'm going to play a song for you by them called Castles of Sand. Because here in Imperial Beach every year they have a sand castle tournament. And it is a big deal. And it always reminds me of this song. Chop you down.